of the hour on the East Coast. That makes it 1 p.m. Guy Adami here. Dan Nathan also here. It is Thursday, December 15th. We got a real humdinger going for you Keith Jackson fans out there. Today's market call brought to you by SoFi, Dan. Get your money right all in one app. I just love saying that. And of course, our data partners and sponsor, Backset Financial Data and Analytics that are powered by tomorrow in a brief few minutes, and typically few are brief. EY from SoFi, I will say an exorcised EY from SoFi will be joining us. And of course, if it's Thursday, it's Butters. What's up? John Butters from FactSet. Yeah, we're going to have his earnings insight. Um, we're going to go through all of that guy that drops tomorrow on the FactSet blog. And we're going to get Liz running that. She wrote something. She wrote a real dandy today. Um, going back to maybe Keith Jackson. Wasn't that kind of one of his um, sayings there, Guy Adami? Well, that, you know, that? yeah, I mean, I think that's right. And by the way, yeah. lest you think we revel in the market going lower, we do not. What I do yeah. revel in, though, is consistency of thought and trying to navigate what's been a very difficult market for the last effectively 18 or so months. And to a large extent, I think we've done a decent job. Yes, we have missed things along the way without question, but in a global macro broad sense, I think we've done a good job. So the smile you see is not me again enjoying the the fate of the market today. It's just the fact that sometimes things pan out the way you thought they would. And oh, by the way, I think Elizabeth will say the same thing because she got some vitriol from the Twitter public on some of the calls she made that have proven to be correct as well. So, folks, save the um, animosity for somebody else. Yeah, well, it, it is pretty extraordinary, Guy, what we've seen in the S&P 500 in just a few days. We had that CPI print Tuesday morning that came in slightly lower than expected. And then again, you know, we had a massive gap. Just look at that. This is the chart of the S&P this week. So, we're down 5% from those highs. A lot of volatility yesterday after the Fed chair's um, comments. David Rosenberg, our friend, Rosie from Rosenberg Research, tweets uh, last night, why doesn't Jay Powell save us all time and just say we don't want the stock market to go up and call it a day? Our other friend, at Macro Alf from the Macro Compass, he's saying he's telling you that being long the S&P is equal to pissing against the wind literally and right. so that you know that kind of confluence of, of commentary after what the fed chair pal had to say whatever the algos thought they read right it, it's gotten reversed and we've seen that a bunch now so you know whatever the initial headline is you know is being reversed fairly quickly because fed chair pal is does does not want the s&p 500 to be anywhere near 4,000 right yeah now. A few things. Um, I've never tried to piss in the wind because yeah. it's, you know, it's a fool's errand, as they say, number one. Number two, what it's somewhat counterintuitive, but airplanes taking off from aircraft carriers actually fly into the wind. So as much as you don't want to piss in the wind, for you fighter pilots out there, you want to fly into the wind. Fact. You didn't have that on your bingo card. And I'll say this as well. Um, clearly, they don't want asset prices going higher. But what I, I'll tell you what I think they're targeting now, and Liz might have a view on this too, I think they're targeting 5% unemployment. And I think that's their bogey. I think if and when we get to that, that's when they'll call it a day. But I think that's really what they're up against, a very tight labor market, which he discussed in his commentary and in the Q&A yesterday. And again, they've been abundantly clear now for months. At times, the market's listened. At times, the market hasn't. I think what we saw this week with that big run is the market said, you know what? We're going to get ahead of you because we don't think you have the Kions 
or Wavos to stay with it. And you know what? It looks like he does, Dan. You know what? Um, you know, my favorite saying using the word piss is from the outlaw Josie Wales. Remember, he says, Don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining at the sure. very end. Yeah. It's great Clint um, Eastwood, which by the way, is like 93 years. Clint Eastwood, if I could be one quarter the badass that he is at 93 now. I'd be living a good life. Sorry, back to you. Yeah, fair enough. Let's throw up this S&P chart here because our friend Liz Young, the aforementioned Liz Young, she had a tweet about the dot plot, about the oh. dot plot. Hi, guy, we just thought we'd throw it kind of right up there, and you can see what Liz is saying about that. We'll let her um, elaborate on that. Just real quickly, though, before she comes in on the S&P 500, we were saying yesterday at this very time, it really feels like that tension that's building there in the S&P 500 is going to break one way or another, and that way that it breaks is likely to kind of be the way that it goes into the close of this year. I just don't see, Guy, anything that kind of can salvage, um, you know, the potential for a rally above that 200-day moving average. And as you said, if they were going to break above, they'd go straight to that August high. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it's going to happen here. And I don't really know what the incentives are. If I'm an equity investor and I want to be bullish and I want to kind of think that that you know, kind of the base case scenario is a, a soft landing, sort of like mild recession. I kind of want the stock market to discount that this year, right now, right? And so let's let things get a little bit ugly. It's already been a crappy year and a lot of different risk assets. And the last point I'll just make about this, throw up the VIX chart here. Why is the VIX only 23 guy? I mean, it was trading 25 yeah. the day before the CPI print. It seemed like there was a lot of fear into that. And you look at this, uh, it almost feels like it's going to fall right into that support zone, which would justify a rally. But I just don't see why that would happen. It seems, and you know this much better than I do, but what seems to be happening when you saw that big move in the VIX the other day, people are trying to get ahead of what they think is either the anticipatory move. Typically when the VIX spikes, and again, you know this, but I'll share it with the audience. This is just my view. It typically happens when unforeseen things take place. A lot of what we've seen this year to a large extent has been somewhat predictable. So I think people getting long volatility have been waiting for moves like this. They get the subsequent move, and then they're taking things off. So I, I, what I guess I'm saying is, at least in terms of vol, people have prepared for this. Obviously, in terms of the market, though, not so much. And it's an interesting comment that somebody just made, I, I, and I apologize, I'm going to miss the name, but what he said was, if unemployment gets to 5%, it's not stopping at 5%. That's Brian, by the way, said that. And if you can pull that up, and Brian <laughs> makes a great point. It's the same thing with inflation. When they were targeting a, cer a certain inflation, they thought they could get it there and it would stop. And that's not what happens. They can't control inflation, nor, by the way, will they be able to control unemployment. Because if that starts getting legs, it ain't going to stop at 5%. Anyway, Why, well, well, the point on. I, I brought gotta, up I gotta, was, I think that's what they're targeting. Well, here, I got to push back a little bit. I mean, it stops at 5% guy. If we just have a mild recession, you know, we just have the, I mean, it, you know, for, 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 you know, Rosie and some other strategists have said this. I mean, if we have unemployment above 5% for a sustained period of time, the, the economy here and globally is in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, we could all agree 
that if inflation comes down, we just go back to that kind of slower growth environment where we were pre-pandemic. And I've said this on many occasions, the average GDP print in the 10 years prior to the pandemic was 2.2%. 2%. You know what I mean? So, and you think of all that sovereign debt and you think of, you know, it's just going to be like a weight on growth. So I just don't see a scenario where we see, you know, where we have sustained mid single digit unemployment, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, no, I, I, I don't know either. You know, I, yeah. I guess my point is this, and, and then we'll move to Liz because it's important. I think they believe incorrectly that they control things that they have zero control over. Inflation was the first thing, and to the extent that they think they can control the employment market, I think they're making a mistake as well. Anyway, that's my point. I just thought I'd throw it out there. As we're sitting here now, you know, the Dow continues to sort of plummet lower. Is it time to bring her in, or should we opine on something else? No, I mean, let's opine on her saltiness over the last few days. I well, mean, you know yeah. what? It's amazing because you have Liz Young, you have EY from SoFi, you have Elizabeth Young, who will be Elizabeth when she goes home for the Christmas holiday. But what we saw over the last couple of days is a persona that I have not seen yet. So this is sort of like the fourth iteration of the aforementioned. Maybe you could fill us in on this because we don't get a glimpse of this all that often. No, I am fired up. Although I don't know that we're going to get a glimpse of it on camera. I try to uh, still keep it hidden. You guys got a glimpse of it over text, but I don't even know where to start. You know what? Here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the unemployment thing. So I actually just finished my outlook. I, I penned an outlook today, the longest outlook I've ever written. <laughs> Get ready for that. Lots of charts, lots of words. One of the charts is about unemployment. And what we did was we modeled out what might happen if unemployment starts to go up. In a deep recession scenario, the highest that we would see unemployment going is still less than 6%, but it's 58 mm -hmm. And that number comes from the worst recession that we've seen, how much continuing claims have risen over that period. It turns out they go up 200%. So that would bring us in this scenario up to a 5.8% unemployment rate. But that's a deep recession. Average recession would only get to 5.2%. And a mild recession, we get to 4.7% soft landing, we still go higher from here. So moral of the story is unemployment's going to go up. It's just a matter of when it starts and when the market actually has to meet that reaction. The other thing is, and this is kind of the, the bad part of this whole scenario, is that over, that over those periods, all the recessions that we looked at, the average amount of time that it takes to go from trough unemployment to peak unemployment can be anywhere from 26 to 53 months. <laughs> so buckle up. It could be a long ride. And we've maybe seen trough unemployment, but we are nowhere near the peak at this point. Yeah. So Liz, we, we kind of highlighted your um, your tweet about the dot plots here. And so you were saying that you know, the market is currently pricing in the highest. Uh, the Fed will be able to hike rates to about 4.75 to 5%. 17 of the 19 FOMC members are saying it'll be higher at the end of next year. And again, you know, just, and, and I mean this quite seriously, I mean, you're doing great, great work on Twitter every morning. I really feel like whatever the economic data is coming out, um, you're covering it, you're previewing it, you're giving some quick points about it. So obviously, you know where to follow Liz on the Twitter at Liz Young Strat. But talk to us a little bit about kind of how you're feeling about that as it relates to, let, let's say, yields. We've been talking about the 10-year yield. Why is it below 3.5% when 17 of the 19 you know, FOMC members or governors are suggesting that we might be higher on the Fed funds rate than where you know we're currently um, expected? 
Yeah, I actually got a really good question about that on Twitter today. And um, fun fact, I just figured out how to see the comments on here. <laughs> so it's great. It's really entertaining. You mean the thing that says comments, that was confusing you. <laughs> that had no, I thought maybe you guys could see him and I couldn't see him. And it turns out I can see him too. Um, all right. So here, this is part of why I'm fired up this week, because over the last couple months, anybody who's out there, if you want to find haters on Twitter, just be bearish. Just say bad things. Say, say caution. Say that you have to be careful. Say that the market might go down. Say that the economy might crack somewhere and the haters just come out of the woodwork. So it's true. I did not call the rally off the October lows. I'm not apologizing for that. What I did call was the message from the Fed staying consistent, the message from the Fed being we'd rather over tighten. And I think that every single time they hike, they're getting closer and closer to over tightening, if not already. But they know that that's going to happen. They know that it's going to cause pain. And then the other thing that I was right about was the retail sales data this morning. It came in the lowest that it's been for a trailing one year mm -hmm. period. And a couple weeks ago on Halftime Report, I said sell consumer discretionary because retail is more than half of the sector. I still believe that. Now, I've been helped by Tesla, I admit. <laughs> but the other part of it, the retail part of it, things are weakening. It's going to hit the consumer. And I think we're just starting to see that now. That dot plot data with 17 of 19 members, federal officials, Fed officials saying that rates are going to be higher at the end of next year than the market thinks they're going to be just reiterates all of this. They're going to stop demand and they have to. I don't think they're doing something wrong, to be fair. I don't think they're doing this wrong, but they have to stop demand and we have to, we can't have it both ways. The market Let's, is going to have to come down to a more reasonable level. Agreed. Let's go to your note because you know, I wait with, I don't know what bated breath means. I've, <laughs> I've heard that expression, but you know, this is, I do actually wait for this and you know, you got your Christmas tunes in. And by the way, oh yeah, I mean, let's just be real. You hear some of these songs more than once and you want to sort of scream. And this happens to be one of them. <laughs> uh, the weather outside is frightful. As I look out my window, we do have some precipitation here in western uh -huh. New Jersey. A little snow. Um, let it slow. Let it slow. Let, I mean, that's so good. And I know once again, when that came to you, that little light bulb went off. You you had that little Grinchy smile, didn't you? Remember when the Grinch I giggle, I that giggle. Grinchy grin. So walk us through this one. Yeah. Well, let, I mean, I think the, the title is pretty obvious. Let it slow. The Fed wants it to slow. The Fed is going to let the economy slow and continue to slow. Maybe not entirely pushing it into recession on purpose, but we're going to get there, I imagine. So let it slow. Also, let the rate hike slow. And we heard again yesterday, they want to see the cumulative effect of hikes. And another thing I would point out to people is we have a built-in pause in January. There's no meeting in January. So we are going to see a cumulative effect of hikes as we get data for December, as we get data through January. And then by the February meeting, I imagine we're going to have a little more clarity on how much further they might go. So this, all of this could change. And, and hopefully we have more clarity by February of next year, but they want it to be slow. Make no mistake. They want things to slow down. And the, uh, my, actually my favorite heading in this piece was have yourself a scary little Christmas. <laughs> because I mean, all... <laughs> I mean, that should be like a movie title. Apparently there is a it movie should. out with the cat from stranger things where he plays like some 
like a badass Santa. So maybe he could sort of, you know, I'm talking, I don't know. I, I no, there was the, night, the nightmare before Christmas. It was, uh, you know, the, the guy uh, who did Edward Scissorhands, you know, that no, director. no, no, Johnny Depp. I know. No, I, what I'm telling you is there's a current movie yeah. where the <laughs> chief of police from stranger things yeah. plays a badass center that kicks John Luguizamo's uh. ass in some sort of a home robbery thing. Anyway, I'm uh, completely but B, digressing B, hey, BT Dubs, as Guy likes to say, um, did you watch, Liz, The Spirited, the show on Apple? I did. You did? Did you like it? I did, it? last Ryan weekend. Ryan I Reynolds did like it. And, and Will Ferrell, you enjoyed yes. that? Yes, and they did all their own singing and dancing, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Guy, you would, you would probably just like as impressive. it. You know, Mark like Ryan called, Reynolds. Mark like called Ryan the musical Reynolds. might come out next year, too. So um, <laughs> here we are. We're all off the rails here. Sorry about that. Let me get it back going here. But, okay, all that's great stuff. Let's let's talk a little bit about yields. Um, Liz, we've been talking about this kind of 3.5% in the 10-year. And, you know, Guy has been spot on why it's gone this way here. Um, it really feels heavy, even on a day where the stock market is down a lot and doesn't really feel like it's going to find any support anytime soon. What is your view? If we saw the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield very near, let's say, that that, that upward sloping 200-day moving average of just above 3%, where do you think the S&P is, if that's the case, in the next couple of weeks? Well, to your point, Guy has been spot on with this. I think the 10-year yield is coming down because we're coming to the realization that the bond market has been correct and maybe the stock market needs to catch up. So I think we continue to see downward pressure on yields for a little while. I think they are going to hit a floor and either stay there or pop back up. But we see downward pressure on, on yields because of fear, because of buying the, the treasury compared to, again, other things around the globe. We've heard a lot of headlines today about other central banks raising rates another 50 basis points and with no intention of stopping. The ECB is one of those. So we continue to still look like maybe the safest the safest house on a bad planet, if that's a thing. I think that stocks continue to go down in that scenario. And Guy was exactly right about that. So yields come down and stocks go down. It would be wrong to assume that yields coming down is positive for growth assets. And we're seeing that shake out exactly as he expected. To. Yeah, Car this is something that Carter's talked about as well. And I do think if the market continues to sort of erode, you're going to see a flight to quality in addition to all the other reasons in the form of the TLT, which I think is north of 109 now. And that's going to get some legs, so we'll see. Obviously, TLT going higher, yields go lower. I'm going to stay with that. Bank index, KBW, comes out BKX um, because a lot of people are having big debates about if this is a good environment for banks, bad environment, you know, inverted yield curve, net interest, all this stuff. But they're not trading particularly well over the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great environment for banks from a net interest margin perspective, obviously. And if we're headed for a recession, if you're a bank that's heavily dependent on consumer borrowing, obviously, again, not a great environment. But here's where it turns into an okay environment is if we do have a recession, you've already got financials trading at super cheap valuations compared to the rest of the index compared to other sectors. And you have a crisis that is not caused by the banking system. So you have this sector that's more prepared for a recession than maybe ever before because of what happened in 2007 and 2008. And it has a lot more room to run from a valuation perspective yeah. on the other side of that recession. So I have been positive on financials for a while. I have not sold financials in this downturn. I intend to hold steady at that. And then actually, if we get a good plunge in the market further than today, I'll be adding to that position. You know, you know it's interesting, guys. 
I, you know, we were talking a little bit about the BKX a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, when really when these, um, you know, I guess it was a Goldman um, banking conference and, and Brian Moynihan, CEO of Bank America kind of, you know, changed his tune a little bit from earlier in the year. He was clapping back at um, Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan. I think it was in June when Jamie said an economic storm is coming. And, you know, look at Bank America. Maybe they could throw that up there because this thing is down 17 percent what feels like a straight line um, in about a month here. And then if you look at, let's say, the relative, you know, outperformance of JP Morgan, if we can pull that one up here in the same period, is pretty interesting. And sometimes it's just as simple as the sort of realization, right, that, you know, for whatever reason, Moynihan wanted to kind of have a different tone to some of his money center CEO peers, but the, the, the recognition that maybe things are not particularly great as we head into a, a more, uh, I guess, uh, you know, environment in 2023 where consumers are going to have a lot more headwinds and, and lending is going to be a bit tougher and a higher rate environment and interest margin, the whole nines, you know, look at what, look at the difference of those two charts, man. It's just kind of crazy here. So I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the bank stocks have more room to run. And just like they led to the downside in the first half of this year, I think they probably lead us back towards the lows um, as we retest them early next year. Guy? Before we get to Jets, if I were to make a football analogy, uh, Brian Moynihan is the nose tackle. He just sees the person in front of him, typically the center. Jamie Dimon, sort of your free safety, who sees the entire field and acts accordingly. Nice. Uh, that's my analogy. And I think it's actually an extraordinarily good one. Let's take a look at Jets. <laughs> well, it's by fine. The way. No, well, one of the reasons why we wanted to look at the Jets, the ETF, the tracks, the airlines, and Liz, you've probably been kind of looking at some of the, the commentary out of United earlier in the week. And there's a bunch of uh, downgrades on the street. And so when you look at just the move that United has had, it's one of the biggest components of the Jets um, over this past week. I mean, this looked like an index that was trying to kind of put in a bottom, you know, and, and a series of kind of, you know, lower highs, but all of a sudden it looked like we're going to take out that low from, uh, or excuse me, the high from the summer here. And, you know, it got us thinking when we were looking at this, look at this American Express, you know, right out of the gate this morning, this financial stock was, was really uh, underperforming to the downside. Many of it's like financial peers. And you think of some of the reliance that they have on corporate travel and that sort of thing. So this is kind of interesting. Any thoughts on that? Because we're talking about the consumer being weaker, but we're also talking about, you know, corporates really tightening up, I think, some of the expense um, that, you know, they unlocked after the pandemic here. And American Express kind of nearing this, this uptrend from a technical standpoint. I mean, this thing really feels like it wants to go back towards the lows. And I think some of the pieces that you can put together about what some of the transportation or the, the travel-related names are saying might suspect or might lead us to believe that that's going to happen sometime soon. Yeah, you know what this makes me think of is a lot of times we talk about, you know, just keep it simple, don't overcomplicate it. In the case of some of these names and in the case of some of these industry groups, it actually is a multivariable model. And as gas prices fell, I think a lot of people wanted to believe that then the travel stocks should do better, especially airlines, because their costs had gone down. And I imagine that that's a lot of what drove uh, some of the recent upside. But you have to remember that, especially when you're thinking about airlines, always remember this business travelers are not as price sensitive, right? And, and just as an example, if I have to speak at a conference, I have to be on that stage at a certain time in that city, doesn't matter how much it costs for me to get there, I'm speaking at that conference. So even if the plane ticket is expensive, I'm buying it. 
If you are a discretionary traveler, you're very price sensitive. You're going to switch airlines if they're cheaper. You're going to stay at a different hotel if it's cheaper. You're going to nix the vacation altogether. So as people got more and more sensitive to those price hikes and they got ridiculous, especially on the airlines, they're just not going to pay it. And you're right. We're going into another year. Corporations have set their budgets. And I'm guessing that most travel budgets are below what they were in 2022. So there's just not as much room to be that price inelastic. And we are going to see a bite out of a lot of that stuff, I think, at least for the first half of 2023. Yeah. And to sort of amplify, if the the knock-on effect of a desired higher rate of unemployment is people that still have jobs look around and say, holy shit, you know, I see what's going on at my company. I see that my... and they will act accordingly. So their spending habits will change regardless of whether or not they're still employed. I mean, that's just behavioral finance stuff. And in terms of American Express, quickly, Dan, there's also an aspect of, you know, credit risk that they take as opposed to a Visa and MasterCard. American Express has credit risk. So to the extent that things are going to deteriorate on that front, American Express is not immune from that. And I think that's to a certain extent you're seeing that as well. Yeah. And, and, and again, I guess to thread the needle here a little bit, we're, we're, oh, like we're talking that. about a bunch of different sectors that are just showing us the expected weakness. You you mentioned retail earlier, Liz. I mean, one of the most cyclical parts of the economy is advertising. And this morning, Jeffrey's downgraded um, Snap and the trade desk. And, you know, I'm looking at Netflix down nine and a half percent. And I think it's kind of on the heels of, of the commentary about the expected weak ad market. And you think about that guy, you had a great call on this thing. I think towards the lows in, in the summer, you thought it would fill in that gap towards 300. It did. But, you know, normally on a day like today, you'd expect this stock to be down a lot, but not in sympathy with the advertising names. But listen, a big part of the reason it filled in that gap, is they introduced this ad supported model. Right. And so investors are now saying to themselves, Okay, if 2023 is going to have a lot of headwinds as it relates to digital advertising, maybe they don't have the runway that they, you know, that that people thought they did. But if you look at this snap, it's banging along the bottom. It's below nine bucks here. Thoughts on on this space in general, guy? Because I've tried to take a long approach to some of these names at different spots. I'm not in any of them anymore. Had some decent trades off the bottom. I really feel like when we get to Q4 earnings in late January, and Netflix could be the first one of the first ones we could. See see um you know some new lows not netflix is up so much but a snap it really feels like there's one big gap left in this thing i think your thesis in netflix is right i will add the fact that obviously it's rallied from i think a low of about 175 or so to north of 300 i mean that's a stock that was up close to 80 75 80 percent in a relatively short period of time so i think in terms of netflix people probably taking some money off the table and they're hitting the exits very quickly obviously with the downdraft in terms of snap I mean, I hear what you're saying about another leg lower, and it probably is going to happen. But you know, you're starting to see this, you know, the noise around TikTok, which, by the way, we talked about months ago, seems to be gaining steam. And yeah. if t- I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you can ban an app or an application. I guess you just take it off the application sites or they delete it from you. I have no clue. But what I'll tell you is, and I believe this wholeheartedly, if it were to happen here in the United States, forget about the, the whatever the counter would be from China. The, net, the knee-jerk reaction in Snap is going to be significant. I mean, that's a stock that could double over the course of a couple of days. So, yes, I see what you're saying in terms of one more downdraft. But for a binary outcome, I think Snap is pretty interesting here. 
Yeah, Liz, Liz, thoughts on expectations for, you know, digital ads is a space that has obviously been growing. It's going to be a secular tailwind, you know, um, when we're not in this recessionary environment, it's going to come back really hard. But when you kind of piece all of these things together, we're talking about is like a weak consumer, what the banks are telling us about the consumer, what we're seeing in the travel space, what we're seeing in retail. It really sets up for a nasty kind of Q1 environment, at least the sentiment towards the economy. And it's also seen Seems to be a bit of a consensus that the first half of next year is going to be really rocky in the stock market. And then we find, you know, some sort of footing, you know, late second quarter and we start to rally and then the bull market's back on. Do you get fearful when that starts to become the consensus? Yeah. And I think the biggest risk is actually that it gets prolonged further than that, right? So if we don't bottom until the second quarter, or if we don't bottom even until summer, then all of this gets dragged on even longer, which as everybody will read in my outlook, I'm sure you will read every word. I say that it's worse to be stuck in this purgatory between recession and no recession than to just get it over with and move forward. It would be great if we got one flush out of the way and then we moved on. I think what some of these stocks, particularly in that space where they're sensitive to ad revenue, is that a lot of them fall in the communications sector. Communications has gotten pummeled already. So if we talk about just from a valuation perspective, we've done a lot of good work in the communication sector, much like IT, but even more work in communications on shaking the froth out. So will they see more pain if we get another downdraft? Yes, of course. I also would expect there to be a pickup in M&A activity. And we've talked about this a couple of times. It's M&A activity for financial reasons, though, meaning that some of these companies have to be saved rather than M&A activity for strategic reasons where people are trying to just make their competitive moat bigger. So we could see that cycle really accelerate in 2023 as well. Dan, before you tee up butters, what I'll say is depending on uh, my food choice, for example, if there's a Chipotle Mexican grill in my future, it is rarely one flush and t- walk away. It's, it's usually <laughs> multiple. What? Every time. Every well, you said it. You, you, know, knew, you knew when you said it. I was going to jump on that. Our fine, one of our very, very fine sponsors, Facts Set, they like to take this bit, you know, that we talk about John Butters, his thing, (laughs) and they like to clip it, it, and they like to put it on the social. So now we're going to have to do, hey, people, listen, this is just a little, this is the behind the curtain production thing. We're going to stop doing about face, and then I'm going to start with the Butters thing. So we have a nice (laughs) little clip. I'm sure all of our friends here are going to be very helpful. No, listen, I apologize. So, EY, thank you so much. And, you know, you again, if it's Thursday, it's Butters Day, Dan. So why don't you take us right into him? Oh, great, great. So, you know, listen, uh, our friend John Butters over there at Facts said he's the senior earnings analyst. He writes the Earnings Insight blog over there. It drops every Friday morning, but we get a little bit of a preview of it, Guy, on our Thursday market call. And this is actually, I think, a really important point. I think that we've kind of referenced this a couple of times in today's conversation. But Liz, maybe you'll have something to say about this. I mean, you know, strategists are still expecting 5% earnings growth year over year for next year, right? And Butters has been tracking this. He also had a post out a couple of weeks ago talking about how most strategists one year out are usually over forecasting about 7% or so. So if that is the case this year, then we're likely to see year over year decline in earnings growth. And we know what all the kind of tailwinds are here, even with rates coming down, with the dollar coming down, that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of interesting. And here's another point he mentioned. Eight out of 11 sectors are expected to see growth led by energy. But at some point, that is likely to fall off mid-year. 
thoughts on where you think consensus is for S&P 5 earnings? And then is that kind of the catalyst as we get into Q4 earnings season in late January, where we see a lot of companies downgrade their 2023 guidance? We see a lot of strategists follow suit. And then maybe that's how we kind of put it in the bottom at some point in the first half of the year. Yeah, you know, when it's easy to miss on earnings is when the market is down a lot because then it makes sense and everybody's probably missing. So if we continue to go down and the market is down in January, I think it'll be a lot easier for CEOs to come out and say, hey, by the way, we don't think it's going to go as well as maybe we envisioned in 2022. I think consensus estimates for earnings in 2023 are still too high. I don't even think we'll end up flat. And actually, if you look at some of the lower bound of estimates, you're closer to 216, 215. We have a kind of duct tape and toothpicks model that we build over here, and ours comes in at 214. So uh, I would imagine it's somewhere closer to that 210 to 215 range, and there should be a contraction in earnings year over year, given everything that we've heard. I just think it's going to take the year turning into 2023 to really hear uh, the concrete analysis of that from companies. EY, somebody's asking, where can they read your fine work? I thought we've illustrated that a number of times, but perhaps you could educate uh, said viewer, listener, YouTuber. You can find it on the SoFi blog at SoFi.com. There's a new section actually called On the Money, which is where we put all of our insights on how to get your money right, including my stuff. And there's a separate section just for investment strategy, which is all my stuff. I also post it incessantly on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Uh, my outlook, the full outlook will drop probably next week, Monday, and that will be posted over and over again for the next few weeks. When you go home, will you have eggnog? Does anybody Obviously. actually? <laughs> yeah. Eggnog does terrible so, things to my constant, you know, all right. heavy you know, dairy. Guy, no. Just, just, you know, guy, I saw Liz out um, for cocktails on, mon- on Monday night and she was already getting a little bit salty because the CPI was the next morning here. She didn't that. like the fact that the stock market seemed bid up into it. Okay. And I said, why are you leaving so early? And she goes, I'm going to the gym. She goes, I'm I went going for to a the- run. Oh, I went, went for a run outside. Yeah. Post post one glass of tequila. I went for, and it was like 32 degrees. I bundled wow. up, but that's my Wisconsin blood. I went that's for awesome. Pretty you know, my sense you gotta is blow off the steam. You you could probably throw a pretty good punch if I had a guess. Like I might get my sense is your old man taught you how to fight at a, at a certain age, and I'm right. I'm always freaking right. It's a it's my cross to bear, as they say. But I do it well. By the way, tomorrow we're doing this thing with the TRB. Do you say the before TRB or is it like people that say pin number? Can no. I tell you something? <laughs> the, Any the, the, people the watching and listening, Wait, hold if on. you say pin number, I'm going to rip your throat Got out. Because the N in pin is number. So when you say <laughs> pin number, it's personal identification number, number. Yeah. Do you know what we call it? A pin number? A pin you say it's a pin. What's you know what the pin? T and TRB oh. stands for? The T and TRB? What does it stand for? The. It's, oh, it's so I shouldn't the, say the, the TRB. The, the. I should just say so, TRB. Yeah, well, we're doing this right. fricassee with him tomorrow <laughs> and the compound people and Danny Moses and you at the net. Michael that thing Madden. is going to be. Can I tell you something? Friday, at, when does this thing start? 545. If you yeah, think I'm off the, the rails on a Thursday, oh. get ready, people. I'm going to yeah. be there watching. No, stop. Cheering. Yeah. Cheering in the audience. Yep. Heckling. Yep. Yep. That's it. For market call. I want to thank EY from SoFi, or I don't know who she is today, maybe like Lisa Young from SoFi. Lizzie? I mean, that's the Lizzie. fourth Lizzie iteration. Lizzie. By yeah. the way, check her out on the Twitter and read her stuff. It is fantastic. Fact set, 
I mean, financial data and analytics, Dan, powered by Tamar, our sponsor and data provider. SoFi, Dan, get your money right all in one app. I love saying that. We'll be back on Monday, of course, of next week. And it's going to be an interesting one without question. I thank you all. 